Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. So thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. So, Pat, football is gay. Something happened that hasn't happened in over 150 years. And um, what is transitioning really like? That's what's coming up on today's show. So it's going to be a fun one, isn't it? Apparently, I don't like that you called football gay. I didn't do that, but we'll discuss that in a little bit. Before we do all of that, um, do not okay. forget, you can follow us on the wonderful socials. I am at the Cop and Show Key. Mr. Padoni is at the Padoni Show. If you're watching on Rumble, you know that already because you can see it on your screen. And if you're not already watching on our Rumble page, what the hell are you doing? Head over to rumble.com backslash critical thinking. And, of course, you can always listen via podcast on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Rate, review, like, thumbs up, stars, whatever on your favorite thing. We like them all. So uh, please give us your feedback there. That all having been said, Mr. Padoni, um, I-, I mentioned something has happened that has not happened in over 150 years. And it took place on Tuesday. I will give you that much. Well, if it took place on a Tuesday, that usually translates to an election. You would be correct. A special election was held in Texas's 34th congressional district. And for the first time in over 150 years, a Republican won that congressional seat. That's right. A Republican um, won that seat. Maria Flores. Where is that district located? Um, it's in the south uh, of Texas, I believe. Um, they have almost a million people, by the way, in this uh, congressional district. And it took 150 years for a Republican to win this district in Texas? In Texas. Mm-hmm. So this, supposedly- this 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 kind of isn't in and around like the Corpus Christi all the way to the south, like the the very, 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 very southern tip of Texas. This is the most southern district in Texas. Okay. 
I'm still so, surprised by this, but anyway. Why would you be surprised by this, Pat? Because, it's Texas. Right, but this is a border town in a border district. Well, um, yeah, so they would, they largely Hispanics have supported which party? Oh, that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. It's a fair point. Yeah. So in that respect, um, winning this special election as a Republican, is this a telltale sign of things to come or is this a nothing burger for you? Does this have meaning or no meaning for you? I mean, I I, I want to say it has some meaning because if it's a border town largely Hispanic and they're voting for a Republican, what are other similar communities in other states going to do come November? This is a really good question. Right. It's 84.5% Hispanic. So okay. in my head, I look at this from that perspective. This mm -hmm. is a heavily Hispanic district. And what did we see during the 2020 election? We saw Donald Trump win six border districts, right? Right. That had largely been Democratic for 30, 40, 50, 60 years in some cases. Some cases, they've right. never, ever voted um, Republican, but did in this particular uh, instance. Now, this place, this district is 84.5% Hispanic again. It is a big deal. Also because of this. Maria Flores, who won, or Myra Flores, who won, excuse me. Her husband is a Border Patrol agent. So this isn't just a rhino. This isn't just somebody who is going to win this district because whatever. She is a, she is MAGA, right? She really is. She, her, she is famous for wearing a U.S. Border Patrol hat on the election trail. That's even more impressive to me now because you would think in a border town like that, they would be more for, especially in a Hispanic community like that, they would be more for an open border. Well, see, this is the funny part about um, that open open borders thing. Mm -hmm. Hispanics who have come here legally, the, thus those who can vote. Right. They hate illegal immigration more than you and I would. That's a reality there, Pat. So, wow. Okay. So all of those things would tell me this is a really good telltale sign because what else, what other special election in, in our lifetimes kind of pro uh, told us something was going to happen in a very large wave? There was a very large wave that happened in another election year, Pat. In you're, the you're, last 15 years. 15 years? Mm-hmm. Uh, was it in California? Nope. Hmm. So in 2010, okay. Scott Brown won a U.S. Senate seat in a special election in Massachusetts. Massachusetts, yeah. Uh -huh. 
I remember that now. And that happened early in 2010. Prior to the the really big tea party moment, right? Right. And what did we see happen come November's election? Everybody thought that it might be close, that the Democrats might hold on, or it might be, you know, almost a 50-50 situation in both the House and the Senate, right? What took place? The the Democrats got swept out of power in both. Like, hardcore swept out of power. Paul Ryan became Speaker of the House. And, and, you know, we, we saw what we saw. Wasn't that 2014? No, because wasn't wasn't John Boehner Speaker of the House in 2010? I don't think John Boehner was still Speaker of the House. I'm pretty sure Paul Ryan was Speaker of the House because he um, was on Mitt Romney's ballot in 2012, Pat, as the vice president. That doesn't happen unless he is the Speaker of the House, I believe. But either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, the, the point of the matter is that there was a massive wave that happened because of something that was unprecedented, right? A Republican winning a congressional or a Senate seat in Massachusetts in the middle of Barack Obama and his presidency? That was whoa, Nelly. This could be construed as whoa, Nelly, right, Pat? Yeah. Um, just for kicks, uh, John Boehner was actually uh, Speaker of the House from 2011 to 2015. Okay. Paul Ryan became 2015. Gotcha. Through 2018, then, mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's when he got out. Yeah. Or, or 2020, one of the two. Um, but either way, um, that part doesn't really matter. Uh, but here's why I hesitate to go all, we're going to, like, Eisenhower- or Hoover. Um, who was it that beat um, Dewey? Oh, it was Truman. It was Truman. Yeah, it was Truman. You know, we're not going to Truman Dewey, right? Where everybody mm-hmm. thought uh, that uh, Dewey was going to just absolutely wipe the floor. And he got wiped. And it shocked everybody. Everybody that that followed that at that point in time was absolutely shocked. And here's why I hesitate to to put this in the Scott Brown category, to put this in in elections that have been transformative in our uh, politics writ large category. Because in 2020, in that election, this congressional district for the congressional seat in 2020 So 201,000 votes. This is a population of just over 700,000, okay, in this congressional district. Now, let's go back. Okay, you say that's an election year, right? So the the numbers could be inflated. This is a presidential election year. The numbers are inflated. So let's go to to off-presidential election year. Let's go 2018. 143,000 votes. So still a, a good percentage of the population, right? Take a gander as to how many people voted on Tuesday in this special election. Uh, probably a fraction of that, I'm guessing. Tw- just under 29,000. 
So about 7% of the population that's eligible to vote voted in this election. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that this election is not consequential? Not necessarily. I mean, I've talked about this on this show. Less than 14% of the population of Chicago that's eligible to vote voted in our last mayoral election. That gave us Beetlejuice. Now, Beetlejuice set herself apart because it was Tax and Tony, Tony Preckwinkle, who was famous for all the progressive taxes in the county that you could possibly come up with. The soda tax, this tax, that tax, vague tax, this tax, every tax, all the taxes. And she set herself apart as the alternative to that. And she's been an absolute abysmal failure. But that's what happens when only 14% of your population shows up because you get the worst of the worst. People who don't care enough, who are incompetent, people who are incompetent don't want to show up for people who don't care enough to vote. That's the reality of the situation. If if 50% of the population was voting in a mayoral election, you might attract a better candidate pool. Just That's saying. true. That's now, true. That all having been said here, Pat, my point in this is, is this a telltale sign? Because one of these things was not like the other two, right? And the one thing that's not like the other two is this election. This special election had just 29,000 people. And Myra Flores won with just over, just under 15,000 votes. Now, could she then come and win in the fall? Potentially. The good news is that she won by technically seven percentage points in inside that voting population. Flipping the district however it is, that can be a good sign. But I look at this with a an eye of caution based off of the numbers. We, we don't have a big enough sample size to know if this is rep, uh, if this can be replicated come a much larger population voting in November. Right. It's a big deal in the moment, but does this get replicated in November? And ultimately, is that that not what matters? Mm -hmm. Now, I can tell you this, though, Pat. Going back to the very beginning of our talk on Texas 34 here and on the Hispanic population writ large, is this not another indicator of a transition, if you will, of party support within the Hispanic population. And I I look at what happened in the 2020 election in Florida. Ron DeSantis wins, right? Donald Trump wins Florida, and they win handily. Like, it's not even close. It it wasn't even one of those states where we're going to have to watch this all night long, right? Like, it wasn't 2016. It largely was because of the Hispanic population voting much larger percentages of Republicans than ever before. We also talked about the, the other border districts within Texas becoming less blue, more purple, in some cases red for the first time in a long time. How do you buttress all of the California types moving to Dallas or Austin or Fort Worth, right? Or Houston, right? How do you buttress all of those people moving and continuing that quote-unquote blue wave into Texas? You work within the population that exists. 
And people are like, well, why, why the Hispanic population moving that direction? Let's take a look at that population, right? It is largely working class. It's largely middle class. So it's these two classes. It's largely religious. In <clears throat> speaking the word Latinx or Latinx is super offensive to 90% of that population. <clears throat> now, what party has been speaking to middle class and working class America more than most over the last decade plus? It's the Republican uh, Party. Republican Party, yeah. We have seen a demographic switch, not just of of the population in terms of race or ethnicity, right? We're seeing a lot of people voting with what? The number one thing that they always vote for, their pocketbook. And by and large, the Republican Party has been speaking to those kitchen table economic social issues, while the Democratic Party has been largely speaking to what population? The white, suburban, PhD, caring crowd. And then still some of those remnants of, of the other side of things. And of course, the socialists and the communist uh, side of things. You've got those things in the mix. But the demographics, even the union population has not been voting lockstep Democrat for the last six elections almost. We're seeing a massive demographic change. And I look at it from this other perspective, Pat. This is that telltale sign because it shows that 2020's election results within that population are being replicated time and again going forward. This wasn't a one-off in 2020. This wasn't a Ron DeSantis was so attractive to that Hispanic population. No, it was that the Hispanic population believes in what the Republican Party has sold over the last decade plus. We haven't seen this kind of a change in our entire lifetimes when it comes to how populations, you know, in generalities are making changes. We just haven't seen this. This is a wave. And I seem to remember certain <clears throat> rhino-esque, uh, rhino-esque, I should say, uh, group of eight, the Lindsey Grahams, the Marco Rubios, the, the Mitt Romneys out there, right? I seem to remember they were telling us ahead of, you know, the 2016 election, the ahead of 2012. If we if we don't pass comprehensive immigration reform, we've lost the Hispanic vote forever, and we'll never be able to win another federal election. That's what we were told, right? We have to pass that comprehensive immigration reform, and if we don't, the Hispanics won't. Vote with us, right? Well, the, the, 
how's that working out for them? That was their argument, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> More Hispanics voted Republican last time out than ever before in the history of this country. And what was the argument against the the uh, the Gang of Eight comprehensive immigration deal? Right? What was the argument? The legal Hispanic population hates illegal immigration more than any other population. And if you just speak to them and say, hey, we support you, we don't support illegal immigration, they will reward you. And who spoke that louder than anybody in the last decade? Uh, Donald J. Trump. Oh, so good Trump. Mm-hmm. 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 So I only bring this up to hopefully make you guys think on one hand, the low vote turnout makes me question if this is the one of those telltale moments, but when you put it in the perspective of what has been going on historically over the last decade, this is a telltale moment. This is an important moment because if they can take this district and keep it red in November, we're going to see a slaughtering of the Democratic Party unlike anything we have ever seen in an off-year election. The contract with America years are going to look like a walk down the Champs-Élysées compared to what's going to happen. In November. So that's why we're covering this and that's why it's important. At least that's what I believe. Pat, I think you kind of have hinted that you believe that this is a telltale moment, correct? I I, I do. Um and now I, I do worry about the the sample size in this particular case. That 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 would be the one thing that I worry about, but um you know, seven percent is is pretty significant in any election um so i would say you know it's it's a good sign for for november but we'll we'll see what happens right yeah when you've got 30,000 or less than 30,000 votes right 2,000 vote difference means a lot that's 7% you know so it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward but this is something that i would hang my hat on as a this is a key indicator of where things are going and more importantly, where certain segments of the population are going, because the Democrats have counted on the minority segment of the population to be voting lockstep with them. Right. Right. And then they've picked up the the Karen crowd, if you will. Right. The white suburban, well off. Uh, female population. Right. And. So they've picked up that group. And thinking that that's the mix that stirs the drink, if you will. Right. It turns out um, when one of those populations no longer is voting in lockstep with you, you got a problem. And they have a problem because it turns out that um, this population is more socially conservative, more family orientated, and much more in line with non-socialist, non-communist 
government policies. Why? Because they're escaping socialism and communism in their home countries. That's why. They're not just escaping the gangs and all the things that are going on, the narco-terrorism and all that stuff. They're not just doing that. Their countries are, by and large, dirt poor because of communism and socialism over the last 30 years. It's why you see the population of Cubans of Cubans always having a much larger percentage voting Republican than other um, populations of the Hispanic um, variety, right? But now we're seeing those two things kind of equaling themselves out. All it takes, by the way, is going from 20% support to 40% support in a more general, more broad perspective to matter in an election year. Now we're seeing potentially a 60-40 split in the Hispanic population going Republican versus it used to be 80-20 Democrat. You want to talk about a, a party that might be dying itself out. It'll be interesting to see what happens um, in the in the general election. Now, before we get into the rest of the these stories that we're going to talk about, Pat, I think it is time for us to play the B or not the B. How do you, how do, you know, are, are you ready for that, I guess? Dude, I'm more ready than you were to say that. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm tripping all over the English language here. Uh, yeah. All right. So today's headline. <clears throat> science test positive for COVID. Today's headline, science <laughs> test positive for COVID. <laughs> and uh, while you're thinking of that, I'm going to take a nice little sip of my wonderful American Pride Roasters coffee. Mm. A little bit of the Franklin this morning. Um, so check out AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Um, amazing sponsors of the show. Dave has been... Um, fantastic in getting us some of the information uh, about his business, about his life. Uh, in fact, we're hopefully going to have him on um, in the next couple of weeks here on the show um, to kind of talk about uh, where things stand with the business and stuff like that. But uh, if you want a way to support them um, and their recovery efforts and, and rebuilding a, a brand and a business, uh, AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Check it out. Coffee drops are fantastic if you can get them. Um, yeah. Just check it out and, and see what's available. Um, if Dave does not have the uh, capabilities to get it to you, he's going to let you know. Uh, very fair business dealings with Dave and the crowd over at AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Again, that's AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Historically great coffee. All right. Do you need this headline one more time, Pat? No. Okay. So is this the Babylon Bee or not the Bee? Well, considering our Lord, President, Savior, Dr. Anthony Fauci, tested positive for COVID-19 yesterday, um, we know that he fancies himself as a god and that he fancies himself as science. Therefore, this is the Babylon Bee. You are correct. This is a headline from the Babylon Bee. <laughs> world 
The world is in disbelief today upon hearing the news that Dr. Fauci, also known as the living embodiment of science itself, has come down with COVID. How could this happen? What if science dies? We'll all be lost, lost without science, cried Brian Stelter on CNN. What does this mean? Is Fauci blessings upon him? Excuse me, is Fauci blessings upon him merely a human? I don't know what's true anymore. Brian then curled up on the couch to have a good cry and watch a Christmas kiss too on the Hallmark Channel. Thousands of devoted followers of science have gathered around the Fauci residence to call upon the powers of science to defeat the COVID infection. Thousands more reported being shocked to hear COVID was still a thing. Experts theorize that science is possibly volunteering to take COVID upon himself for the whole world and are wondering why he didn't do this two years ago. Fauci has assured his followers that he only anticipates having COVID for three days, after which he will rise again. <laughs> wow. Wow. But yes, um, the quadruply jabbed Lord Savior President Dr. Anthony Fauci has contracted COVID and, by the way, is symptomatic. Ooh. So every argument that our Lord, our Lord Savior President, Dr. Anthony Fauci, has made about COVID-19 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and why you need to get your first, second, third, fourth, four gajillionth jab. Bullshit. Yeah. Um, just out of kicks and giggles, Dr. Fauci is... Um, in the uh, age range to be in the uh, most high risk category, correct? Correct. Yep. 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 Uh huh. And uh, he's going to make it at the end of the day. I don't know. Only our Lord, Savior, President, Doctor Anthony Fauci knows that, right? Well, I mean, he is science, so I guess I guess science would would tell us in time. Um. But again, science told us if you get jabbed the fourth time, you you won't be symptomatic, and um, you'll. Are you'll you questioning work. science? Are yes, because that's exactly what you should be doing. You are not. No, no. You do to question our Lord, Savior, President, Doctor Anthony Fauci. To question him is to question science. You right. know you can't do that. That it, that is it, totally it, wrong. It, it, except for Pat, hear me out on yeah. this. Uh huh. Question everything. And and guess what? That, that's literally what science is supposed to be about. You heretic. Yeah, proudly yeah. in this yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. Proudly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. So we have got to talk about the subject that we brought up at the beginning of the of the show. Um I'm not going to say the words yet, but Pat, I, okay. I want you to think about um, what is the number one sport in America, by and large? It's football, uh, right? Football. Right. Yeah. College or pro or go right. on a Friday night in your lo local community and Friday night lights, right? Right. Yeah. Football. Mm -hmm. Thousands of people gathering locally to watch Friday night football. Tens of thousands watching the games in person. Millions watching on TV. 
on Saturdays and Sundays, right? <clears throat> I have long told the American population that if you think CNN, MSNBC, all of the broadcast networks are biased commies, right? If you think that, you have no idea what it's like to be in a, in a, a sports journalistic atmosphere. It's 10 times worse. Literally 97% voted for Hillary Clinton versus 90% of the journalism people journalistically doing their journalisming voted for Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election. It's even yeah, crazy in sports. More crazy. Mm -hmm. I present to you the case of in 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 for people that have been following previous iterations of kind of this show or or kind of talking about sports from a non-woke perspective, you know the story of Joe Kennedy um after a game in in the state of Washington, got down on a knee by himself after the game was over on the field. And prayed. Fired. You're fired. Why? Why? Well, you see, they have a policy against prayer in school. And since it's public institution, right? It's a public school, and you were on public but, grounds, but during a public event, and you prayed. Did Did he pray to, for himself, or did he make the the whole team pray? Well. I don't, the details don't matter <clears throat> as much as I want you to hear exactly what the socialist leftists that occupy our sports writing um, professions, if you will, have to mm -hmm. say on this. Okay. This is Greg Bishop at Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated. <clears throat> When faith and football teamed up against American democracy. What? <clears throat> when faith and football teamed up against American democracy. That's the headline. Because why? Joe Kennedy's case is before the United States Supreme Court. It probably should be, but okay. The sub headline. The U.S. Supreme Court will soon decide the case of a football coach at a public high school who was told he wasn't allowed to pray on the field in front of players. The expected result is a win for the coach and the further erosion of the separation between church and state. Huh? Wait a minute. That implies that he was praying for himself, He was, or, or that he was praying by himself. He wasn't making the whole team participate. So what do you care? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> how is this teaming up against American democracy? First of all, we don't live in a bleeping democracy. We live in a republic. And it matters. The difference matters. Do we vote in a democratic manner? Yes. But we live in a republic. 
furthermore, where does it say the separation of church and state in the Constitution? Well, I'm glad you asked because um, carry the one times the second power divided by zero. It doesn't. <clears throat> what does the First Amendment say? Well, the first part of the First Amendment to the Constitution states the following. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Gee, um, was he just exercising his to freedom of religion and saying a prayer? Kind of sounds like he was just doing it by himself. Again, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment <clears throat> of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Kind of sounds applicable here to me. You and I would agree, but he's had to challenge this all the way up to the Supreme Court because uh, separation of church and state, right? That's been the narrative that we've heard forever at this point. So I ask myself, where in the hell did separation of church and state actually come from? Where did we get this concept from? It came from a founding father, actually, Pat. Did you know that? Yes, I did. And it came from one of the most famous, if not the most famous founding father. Uh, correct. Thomas Jefferson. That's correct. where it came from. Who said, <clears throat> um, in I believe, was it 1802? Sure. I don't know when it was, but I know he said it. Yeah. But he had this to say. I think um, it was um, at the Baptist Association of Connecticut in 1802. Saying that in the letter, he was stating that religion was a matter which lies solely between man and his God. So again, keeping the state... Because you have to remember that the large portions of the colonists or the colonials, oh my God, we can't say that word anymore. Shit. <laughs> um, um, well, you heard that story in sports too, right? Uh, George Washington is now not going to be called the colonials. <sighs> Just for, for Pete's sakes, people. But anyway. Um, but it is a manner in which lies solely between man and his God because a lot of these individuals came from a country in which the state was the religion, the Church of England, which, by the way, Thomas Jefferson was actually a member of. So right. he knew full well what, what that looked like. But he continued saying, I contemplate with sovereign reverence the act that act of excuse me i contemplate with sovereign reverence that act of the whole american people which declared that their legislature should make no laws respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof thus building a wall of separation between church and state <clears throat> what is he saying there is he saying that we have to separate all religion from public life? From no. government? That's no. Not what he's saying. 
He is saying that we shall not have government dictating religion or religion dictating government. Right? Correct. The Church of England shall not become the Church of the United States of America. Correct. He's still saying the same thing in a different manner. The question that I have is how did that get per- perverted into something completely and utterly different? Thomas Jefferson throughout his entire life fought for religious freedom, by the way. Freedom from government. That's the separation that he is speaking on here. The wall that he is speaking on. We are going to keep religion between man and his God, not man and his king or queen. That's what he's saying is the separation of church and state. The two shall not become one. That doesn't mean that you don't use religion or that you cannot be religious in a public sphere. I mean, because what happens next? I mean, first, it's going to be on a football field, right? Um, I tend to pray when I'm especially when I'm by myself, when I'm at a restaurant and to bless my meal. Um, it, what's next? Is that, is that going to be prevented next? Like, like I can't do that at, at, a, at a public restaurant? Well, you see, my, yeah. that's technically a private establishment for now. When it becomes a public establishment owned by the government in a few years' time. Ah. Mm-hmm. No, no, you shall not pray before your meal because it'll creep in and, and uh, Mormons will become... Uh, um, it'll become the United States of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh, wait, this just in? No, it won't? No, it won't. Hmm. I'm confused here, Pat. Uh-huh. I am super confused. I mean, I mean, basically, to what, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, if, if I'm this football coach, if I'm Joe Kennedy, I'm saying suck it. You know, like like it this is this is absolutely ridiculous. This, this is I mean, I could see where there could be an issue if he's forcing his his players and his staff to pray with him. I could see where that could be an issue. Mm-hmm. But he it doesn't sound to me like he's doing it. It sounds like it's something he's just doing on his own. Whether people join him in that or not is is of their own free will and choice, which is what it should be. But heaven forbid you pray before a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're going to sit here and, and bitch about people like Colin Kaepernick being able to take a knee and protest the national anthem because freedom of speech and the First Amendment why can't we have the same damn thing being applied here? What well, right do you have to say that he can't pray? This is the government is religion leftist argument, Pat. Okay, and I want you to hear this. And 
this is somehow not just SI's opinion. This would, if you were to listen to ESPN and they took this up, this is exactly the the diatribes that you would hear. Okay. Kennedy's life is now part of the public domain, an emblem to be viewed, utilized, and manipulated for others' aims. Hmm. Kind of like what you're doing in this article. But I I digress. Bishop continues, saying, he's a human embodiment of a country that's deeply divided, a religious movement that's surging with momentum, even as organized religion becomes increasingly less popular. And, most of all, a powerful right-wing machine many say is employing a timeless division tactic, us versus them. All morphed a man's unremarkable existence into an extraordinary one, and imbued Kennedy with elusive, far-reaching purpose. He is no longer just a man. He's now a symbol for what his supporters term religious freedom. To them, he's a hero. David slaying an anti-faith Goliath. To others, he's a sledgehammer ancient, a bedrock of democracy, the separation of church and state. It's improbable that Joe Kennedy stands here. What's not improbable at all is that someone would eventually have been placed where Kennedy now stands. On that long-ago night, whether Kennedy wanted to create a scene or not, he got one. Even then, it's unlikely he sensed where everything would lead. He did know two things with unwavering certainty. The district had a fight upcoming, and it had picked the wrong opponent. Defiance was his speciality, an ethos, and defensive mechanism. Reporters shouted questions, supporters clapped and cheered, security escorted him off of the field to observers. He appeared emboldened. But he says he felt sick as the full magnitude of his stance started to sink in. At that point, he no longer welcomed the gathering storm. He turned off his cell phone, but not before he typed out another Facebook post sure to foment his growing legion of allies. I think I might have just been fired for praying. Jackass. I, I just... The snark... The snidery, the throughout this, it is a questioning of Joe Kennedy's faith. It is a questioning of whether he did this out of conviction or political expediency, whether he did this to prove a point or because he believes in his faith. He didn't even go on to talk about how unremarkable his life has been for 53 years, how he wasn't very much a religious person before this and isn't so now. I mean, religion is a very personal thing, first of all. Questioning the veracity of somebody's faith Mm -hmm. is one of the most grotesque things that one person can do to another. Right. It's a very personal thing. Now, I will say this. There's a difference between questioning whether the ethics and the morality of the decisions that you are making are in line with faith in the teachings of faith Mm -hmm. than questioning faith. Right. I, I can have a very big theological debate with the Pope. I can question whether or not he is Catholic, but I will never question whether or not he believes in God and Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That is out of bounds. And that should be out of bounds for everybody. Right. But again, for the people like Greg Bishop and his ilk, right? They don't actually understand people of faith in any way, shape, or form because their faith is formed by their what? 
religion of government. They don't see it that way, though. Just like we wouldn't see their faith in religion of government as good. The separation of church and state goes two ways. They've only always ever wanted it one way, that you cannot publicly demonstrate your faith because that's an affront to the faithless. Notice how I didn't say your Catholic faith, your Muslim faith, your Jewish faith, your um, your Hindu, your Sikh, your Buddhist faith. I mean, pick one. I didn't say that you, you, that's the point, right? The separation is this. You don't get to establish a religion as a government and force everybody to abide by it. And other people get to do what they want religiously. That's the balance here, right? That is the balance. And yes, that is religious freedom. I have the right, if I want to, to get down on a knee and pray wherever the hell I want to do it. Unless you're going to tell me praying is now illegal. And so I bring this up against the backdrop of what is going on right now when it comes to the world of sports, right? It's Pride Month. So on the one hand, we have an attack on religious faith, right? An attack on people who have conviction of their faith, telling us that we're an affront to an American democracy which doesn't exist. We are a republic for a reason, even down to the city, town, municipality level, right? Yes, it is a democratic vote, but it is in a Republican apparatus. Because if we actually lived in a democracy, it would just be from on high in Washington, D.C., and there are no states. Right. There would, there would be no point for a state. Now, so we have that, but... For the next two weeks, two and a half weeks here, for the next 15 days or whatever have you, that are left in the month, we're, and the previous 15 days that have just passed us, the NFL wants to tell us that football is gay. And they started telling us that last year during uh, the NFL season, by the way. But football's gay, Pat. Did you know that? No. And I'm, I'm actually kind of disturbed by that. Why is football gay again? Couldn't tell you, but the mm. NFL is marketing football as gay. Mm -mm. The NFL mm -mm. is Pride 365. We're proud to support and advocate for the LGBTQ, LMNOP, tilde, ampersand, pound sign community mm. every day, not just in June. Happy Pride Month to our fans, players, staff, and the LGBTQ community. <sighs> I, I just... But I want it's not about them celebrating pride. And I want you to yeah, understand I don't, I don't this. Care about that. Okay. Because Outkick has pointed this out, right? It outlines a number of quote unquote inclusive marketing efforts, right? The football is gay campaign. The NFL is telling us that football is gay. Not football is football and our, our fans that, are ha that happen to be gay or lesbian or bisexual or whatever, right? 
right. are welcome. Football is gay. But you know what football hasn't been? About your faith? About your family? We must market, 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 market the NFL as the ultra-inclusive, DEI-aware product, right? I but, mean, is that not here, – here's the thing. I, I'm, if, if, if you are going to market yourself as being pro-gay, being pro-LGBTQ, elemental P+, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you're doing it in the name of being inclusive mm-hmm. and welcoming to all, I have a question. When are you going to market to traditional families? And that's exactly going to be my point, Pat. Because if you take a look, it's not just that they changed to the Pride Progress flag colors because, you know, that's the new uh, corporate wokeness, right? It can't just be the gay pride rainbow flag. Now you got to include black, brown, and whatever because apparently those people are more important than the white gay man. The white gay man is basically the cisgendered of the LGBT community at this point. And, and that's coming from people I've talked to inside that community, by the way. That's not just me saying that. That's their feeling on that. But, but. I, I actually made this point the other day mm-hmm. um, because because I get to see woke corporate America in real time, you know, especially this month. And my, my thing is this. They, they were, they you know, there was a training the other day that they were doing on being non-binary mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, or like a presentation of sorts. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to it, but, but my question was, when, when are we going to do something like this for traditional families, for um, people that are straight or like, wh- when are we going to do that? Because if we don't every do day, Pat, you do that every day and you don't even know it. That's the point. No, 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 we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> I know because that. Because the more we do, we get fired. Right. Right. If you were so, to if you were to go to your company and say, I want to create a Bible study within this for the people who believe in in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you would be fired on the spot. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's Absolutely exactly the point. Be. That is and, and here's the thing. Is that not a form of discrimination at this point? If this is about bringing in other views, other perspectives, Different walks of life, being inclusive. Don't you include all of this stuff too? Right, and this is the point that um, is being made in these this Outkick article. Mm-hmm. Because if you scroll through the NFL's Twitter feed, you find three really incongruent things. They supported the Los Angeles Pride Parade this past weekend. Right. Um, you, that's the same Pride Parade in which a drag queen. Um, passed out lube to eight-year-olds. The same pride parade in which um, leather-clad, butt-cheek-out gay men were twerking on children. Do you hear anybody outside of OutKick talking about that? Ten years ago, that would have been outrageous. Five years ago, that would have been insane. Today, shut your mouth and support this. That's the message, right? Right. You don't hear ESPN going off. You don't hear 
you know, Fox Sports. You don't hear anybody in the sports arena saying, hold up, wait a freaking second. This is something we shouldn't be supporting. We can support gay people without supporting this, right? Exactly. We can exactly. We can say pride, pride, pride without that. But this is their direct quote from their tweet. The NFL family came through for the hashtag pride parade in Los Angeles this weekend, subtweeting uh, at NYC pride June 26, meeting meet the NFL there, right? Now, question as they as you continue to scroll through the NFL's offseason feed, Pat. What other major, I don't know, moment has happened in the past quarter? In, in terms of what? Um, holiday. Celebration. In the last quarter? Um, let's see. We're looking at April, May, June, right? So mm -hmm. Easter? Bingo bongo, you would be correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Guess what they didn't do? Nothing for Easter. You would be also correct. Hmm. So how inclusive they are. So what, if anything, has the NFL done for Easter, one of the most major holidays out there. At most, tweeted out about the Easter bunny and, and candy. Which is not what Easter is about, but all right. April 17th. The NFL is tweeting out about players who impressed at the combine that happened um like almost two months before that. Mm -hmm. The excellence of Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Mock draft. I get all of that, right? You're the NFL. You're the NFL. Right. You, I mean, you're, you're marketing players. You're marketing the sport. I get that. Like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. April 17th was Easter Sunday. Mm -hmm. The resurrection of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, of which 63% of Americans identify as Christian. Not one tweet from the NFL. Not one. Not a happy resurrection Sunday. Uh, a happy Passover not a single mention of the Jewish fan base in the NFL. How about the Muslim faith, right? A, a celebration of Ramadan. The NFL cannot be bothered with you. The NFL cannot be bothered with you that believe in a monotheistic religion. 
Do they do they ever stop on Christmas Day? No. Do they give you a discount to go to the game on Christmas Day? No. The 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 birth and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the celebrations of those. Nope. Too bad. So sad. But we're going to tweet out like it is going out of style every possible woke moment in the month of June. And then will they, here's the thing. Will they do that for next month when it's 4th of July, when it's American Independence Day? Will they do that? Will, 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 yeah. they, will, they, will they say anything about... Of course they will. Of course they will. They will do that because then it's a way for them to couch it in their salute to service. Hmm. But will they do it all month long? No. Because it's one day. It's the 4th of July. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe maybe America needs a pride, like like an American pride month. That'd be kind of funny, actually. It, it really would be kind of funny. It, my, my, my point is this, is that they do this one month out of the year, like a lot of corporate America does. One month out of the year, and then the rest of the year, it's like, meh. A lot of this is virtue signaling, really. Now, it's not just pride, by the way. It's not sure. just that. They couldn't be bothered to simply tweet out Happy Easter or Happy Passover with a graphic, right? Right. Or Happy Ramadan. But again, some of these NFL teams decided, you know, Easter bunnies and eggs. What you talking about, Willis? What does that have to do with anything other than the, the commercial and corporate world? It has nothing to do with what this is about. It, it, it's nothing. It's nothing is what it boils down to. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. But you know what they can be bothered to speak on socially, politically, gun control, right? Right. Multiple tweets and retweets on weapons being banned. Joe Burrow, the uh, the super hip quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, comes out and speaks absolute insane rubbish and gibberish about gun control and how it should be really difficult to get weapons in America. It already is, you dipshit. Have you tried to purchase a gun legally? I guarantee you, you've got one. And I guarantee you, if you don't, your security does. And ask them how difficult it was. Think about that. The NFL can spend its time advocating for every single leftist political and social movement. Every one of them. Don't forget about January 6th, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, hmm. 
That's right. You can't speak politically against the leftist ideology of Ron Rivera, of the Washington Commanders, which is absolutely apropos nickname. I command you to shut up and play football and shut up and coach football if your politics disagree with mine. That's where we're at. And that's less offensive than Redskins, by the way. I mean, that that statement from Ron Rivera, we do not tolerate. Uh, basically, I won't tolerate your insolence. I, I, that, you know, I, I, what the? If I'm Jack, if I'm Jack Del Rio, get bent. I, I leave. Get. I say I'm done. Freaking bent. I would have looked at Ron Rivera, and I would have said, mm, "Okay, sounds great." Um, <clears throat> here's my resignation. F you. I'm out of here. Because my ability to speak differently than your viewpoints on politics is not it, my ability to do that is worth more than this job. Take your job, turn that some bitch sideways, and stick it straight up your candy ass. You self righteous jackass. And I would say the same thing about the people on the right, who don't want their players speaking leftism. I would argue that doing so while in uniform of any stripe would be bad. You want to tweet it out on your own? Go for it. Whatevs, man. I could disagree with you just as like you can disagree with me. That has the has the NFL bothered to tweet out that uh, the United States Constitution says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Have they ever done that? No, no, because they don't care. They give to every town in USA all the time, right? They give to uh, the mothers of whatever, right? Jeffrey Lurie, probably one of the biggest leftist owners. Right, releasing a statement following a Philadelphia mass shooting in which three people were killed, 11 injured, stating that assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, regardless whether they're owned by law-abiding citizens, regardless of what's in that document, right, should be banned outright, period, amen. Joe Burrow said this rubbish, Right? With everything that's going on, if you're not going to outlaw everything, you've got to, at least, make it harder to get those crazy guns that everybody is using. I don't think you should be able to just walk in there and buy one. you got to be able to go through a rigorous process to buy something like that, I think. Hopefully, the people who get paid to make those decisions figure that out. It just speaks to the... It, it, this is the bothersome part of this, right? For me, why should I give a shit what Joe Burrow has to think on gun control? You shouldn't. Or Ron Rivera or Jeffrey Lurie. You shouldn't. We for far too long, and this is tying a bow on all of this, Pat. For far, far, far too long. Have allowed leftists covering sports 
to make you think that the things that these people think outside of the world of sports and, and the X's and O's and what went on on Saturday or Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or, or whenever matter. It is all about pushing an agenda. Why do we care what Steve Kerr has to say about guns? We shouldn't and we don't. Yet, every press conference, it's not about what happened in the NBA Finals, right? Or the, the Western Conference Finals. He gets asked about Uvalde freaking Texas? Greg Popovich. I could go on and on. When is the last time you heard a head coach, an owner, a player, simply state, I, I don't have an opinion and it shouldn't matter what my opinion on this is. When is the last time that says, I, I want to concentrate on talking about sports? I'm going to stick to sports because that's my realm of expertise. I can't remember a time. When is the last time that they told a reporter to shove their political questions up their ass? Can't remember that either. When is the last time that the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball hasn't taken a pregame show and turned it into political messaging? I can't remember the last time that didn't happen. And you and, and they wonder why people have such a problem with with these sports nowadays. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The NFL has teams in Baltimore, Philadelphia, Chicago, Washington, D.C. What do all of those uh, cities have in common, Pat? High incidents of uh, gun murders violence. and gun violence. Mm -hmm. Right? Has the NFL partnered with, uh, I don't know, gun violence prevention advocacy groups in those cities? Not to my no knowledge. Idea. No idea. Yeah. And if so, why are you not tweeting that out? Why are you not tweeting out stop murdering each other? Why are you not tweeting out and advocating for, for that? Why are you not getting more involved in those communities to help make them safer? I mean, food for thought. They're more worried about telling you to disarm yourself, right? And if you're a gun owner, bad. They're more worried about making sure that uh, eight-year-olds have lube and get sexually propositioned by a bunch of gay dudes twerking. They're wor more worried about advocating and looking looking bad to that crowd than, than just simply being about football. It's why I really don't watch any other NFL outside of the Green Bay Packers. It's really why, and I'm getting to the point where I almost want to stop my streak of watching the Green Bay Packers. I'm almost there. I mean. This is, this is just insulting. It, it is. And it's all being like, here's the thing. This is all being done in the name of something. And I'm, not of, and I'm not asking for them to recognize my religion. 
That's right. not what I'm asking for. What I am asking for is if you're taking up social causes, you take you take up a social cause like like that, right? If you're taking that social cause up and you say it's about inclusivity and and recognizing everybody, you make no recognition of who I am and what I believe, and you insult my beliefs across every corner. And you literally punish people within your organization who go against your orthodoxy on these issues. There's no freedom of speech if you are an NFL player, if you are an NFL um, employee. Oh, hell no. If you do not subscribe to the leftist ideology of Roger Goodell and his ilk, all hell is going to break loose on you. Look at what's happened to Tom Brady. Look at what's look look at how people treat Bill Belichick. Look at how people treat anybody who breaks from that ideology. You're a pariah. Look at uh is it Cole Beasley, right? Arguably one of the best slot receivers in in the NFL today. Pariah. Because he happens to stand by his convictions and his belief system that is incongruent with leftism. You can't tolerate that, but we're supposed to tolerate something that's intolerable for us, right? That's what the NFL is telling us. That's what sports leagues across this country and across the world are telling us. I'm supposed to accept something as moral that I know and, and believe to be immoral. For instance, a great example of this is the, the, the kneeling that continues before soccer matches. I kind of support it, because why? It is a stand up against racism. Yeah, racism is an immoral act. It that's a universal immorality, right? Right. We should take a stand against that. Everybody should. Right. On the other hand, I don't I don't like bringing all that stuff into sports anyway, but but, but I, when I, racism I, is active in sports, right? And active in the crowds, you have to do something. That, there's the difference, right? It's not like people are staying, standing up in the NFL stands and, and chanting, you know, uh, kill the gays or F the fags or whatever. No, nobody does. Because that's wrong. It's immoral. Now, I'm sure the NFL will play a game in Dubai at some point in time. Never mind the fact that they hate gay people there. They literally kill them right. by... Uh, Self-murder. Right. It's a crime. It is a crime punishable by death. Death. Not by going to jail, by death. Which, by the way, I don't agree with that. But football is gay know. here, just not over there. The right. NBA is gay here, not over there. The NBA is the worst on all of this. Oh, the NBA is the most woke of all of them. They hate you. That's the only thing I can come up with. At the end of the day, the only answer to why would you not tweet out about something that represents 63% of your fan base, right? Why would you not do that? But you're willing to marginalize that fan base, that 63% fan base, for what? For what? Turns out that, and hear me out on this, Pat, most gay people don't like being just put in this box in the month of June 
and then shoved aside for the rest of the year. Most people just want to be, hey, I'm a fan of football, and that's all you need to know. Most people want to be recognized for whom they are, not what they represent to the outside world. Being gay to most of these individuals is part of them, but it is far from the defining characteristic. And on that note, Pat, your final thoughts on today's show. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And uh, Ron Rivera sucks. Please be smart, be safe, be kind, and no, football is not gay. Matthew 547. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.